Okay, we're going to read from God's Word. Um, We'll read from Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 26. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So that was right at the beginning of the Bible. Now let's go all the way to the back to Revelation. So it's Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4 verse 1. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the centre around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third was had a face like a man and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy 
our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Thank you, Ruth. Hi, everyone. Good morning to you all. Uh, I want to, uh, I'm going to start off with the song, and you've got to try to guess what the song is. Uh, 50 years ago, this song was released, uh, and it has grown in popularity massively over the years to the point where it has now become an international anthem. Uh, so every year when they run the Olympics, uh, every two years, the Winter and Summer Olympics, this song forms part of the opening ceremony. Uh, any, any guesses what song we're talking about? John Lennon's Imagine. Did you look at the notes before? No, uh, no, no John Lennon's song, Imagine. And I actually had a complaint last week that you haven't heard enough of my singing here. Uh, and so I thought, oh, well, I'll take up uh, that. Dave Sutter's the one you can blame. He, he's feeling grieved. Uh, and so I'm going to sing it uh, a little bit. And, but you've got to think about this question. Why has this song become so popular? And is it a good song for the Olympic opening ceremony? So they're the two questions you're going to talk about. Uh, but let's kick it off. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. <laughs> hey, there you go. All right, okay. So I want you to have a quick word to the person next to you, not about the quality of the singing, but about those two questions. Why is it so popular and is it a good Olympic anthem? Okay, all right, let's have a quick, let's have a quick uh, feedback. Why is the song so popular, do you think? It's about unity. Yeah, unity is a beautiful thing in a world that is so deeply divided. Yeah. Escapism. So escape the harsh realities of world to a better place. Yeah. Other thoughts? No judgment, yeah. Living for today and not having to worry uh, about the future, yeah. Okay, so the Olympic movement, see, yeah, you're gathering all these people from every nation. Uh, there's a hope for unity. Uh, I think there's another reason this song taps into the spirit of our age. Any thoughts? <clears throat> there's no God, yeah. So uh, the song has this anti-religion kind of imagining a world without God 
And that really fits with the shift that has taken place in Australia and other places like Australia, America and England over the last 50 years. This is my lifetime. So <clears throat> over the last 50 years, basically nobody was unreligious 50 years ago. Everyone kind of belonged to some kind of religious affiliation uh, and most of them would have said that they were Christian, either Protestant or Catholic. Uh, and so you can see what's happened. Uh, the, the adherents of no religion have risen, uh, 40%, uh, and Christianity has seen uh, a similar decline. And so it's almost like 40% have e evacuated from calling themselves Christians uh, and now regard themselves as non-religion. And the song Imagine certainly captures that shift uh, of kind of sentiment, doesn't it? Uh, that, that we've... Sorry, what's that? Well, that's a good question, Claire. Yeah, yeah. So Claire's raised the, raised the question, which I've certainly thought of myself, and that is, how much were those who were ticking the box, just people who had, you know, they'd been baptised as a Catholic or as a Protestant, but there was no, never any heart religion or, or faith or repentance and so on? I think that's a very appropriate question uh, and I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot to that I think there's always been a deep nominalism in Australian life uh, you know 50 years ago and less and less so uh, it's not very attractive to call yourself religious any anymore unless you indeed are in a country like Australia um, so that's the that's the that's the um, why the song's popular and yet I want to suggest this is a bad song for the start of an Olympic Games. Did anyone, can anyone think why, why it might be a bad song? It's not true? <laughs> okay. So it's kind of pure imagination. So it, it could be nice, but there's no, there's no basis in reality. Is that the point you're making, Michael? Yeah. Uh, let me tell you a couple of things. How ironic to gather people from every nation under their own flag and sing a song imagining there are no countries. Uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's an iron, isn't it? Especially when the Olympics is all about competing for your country. Um, and whilst places like Australia are increasingly non-religious, that's not the reality worldwide. Uh, as Paul would tell you from many of the nations that, that compassion supports. Um, so at worldwide, five out of every six people are religious. One out of every six would say they're non-religious, and a lot of them live in China, uh, where, the official, where, the, where there's an official atheism kind of stance of the communist government. So five out of six people are religious, and it, so it strikes me as kind of rude to host a multicultural gathering of all the nations on the planet and sing a song imagining there's no countries, no religion, no God. No, doesn't that strike you as a little bit arrogant? Anyway, that's my feeling on the matter. I, love, I like the song and you can hear I sing it so well. Uh, but, but today we're going to hear two better songs. Uh, and I, I pray that our hearts will be stirred not to sing a godless anthem, but to have our lives kind of captivated. Uh, by these two songs uh, that we see. So um, the first song is um, the old song, 
a song that goes back to the creation of the world, and it's the song we heard in Revelation chapter 4. So in Revelation, so it's apocalyptic, so there's lots of picture imagery in the book of Revelation. But basically, the apostle John is taken into heaven. The curtains are drawn back on the reality of things from God's perspective. And he sees the throne of God, absolutely spectacular. Uh, And there is a song being sung on repeat. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And it was so beautiful to sing that. Uh, holy, holy, holy. Wasn't that beautiful this morning to sing that together? If you were here when you should have been here. <coughs> so, and then came the refrain, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things and by your will they were created and they have their being. Uh, so the creatures and the people in heaven sing this song and they never grow tired of it. Because it's not just about the words, it's about being captured by the truths of uh, these songs. Um, And the elders who are there, presumably these are rulers, but they cast down their crowns at the feet of the Creator, God. Now here at our church, we're ruling, uh, sorry, we're we're not ruling any, we're we're unpacking uh, an overview of the Christian message the good news of Jesus, and we're doing it over a number of weeks using the, the outline of the, the gospel called Two Ways to Live. Um, and the foundation for the good news of Jesus is this, uh, and you, you might know it a box one of Two Ways to Live, but there it is. God is the ruler of the world. He made the world. He made us to rule his good world, giving thanks and honour to him. Uh, And that's captured in that song, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created, and they have their being. Uh, There you have the first of six key ideas that will constitute the Christian gospel, uh, the good news that we believe. Um, And so we're going to unpack this first key idea together this morning. Um, And so I just want to point out a few key themes that come out. Uh, I want you to come with me to Genesis chapter 1, and we'll unpack a few key ideas there. Um, The first key truth is that God is the ruler of the world. He made the world. Now, open up your Bible to Genesis chapter 1, and just scan over the verses there. So Genesis chapter 1, And notice the word God appears in almost every sentence. Um, now, uh, uh, that's like, it not, mightn't kind of surprise, take you by surprise or anything like that, but it's just worth pointing out that God is the creator. And here he is in complete control. He speaks, and by his word, things come into being, and he forms the world, and then he fills the heavens and the earth. Uh, So, God is the ruler of the world. He made the world, and everything God created is good. It is a good world, and everything in it is good. Um, So, the creation's account uh, is of seven days, seven time periods, where 
at the end of each, God steps back and surveys what he's made and he says, it is good. And that becomes a refrain, it is good, it is good. And on the sixth day, God looks at all of the, what he's made and he says, it is very good. Uh, it is exactly as God intended it to be. There's nothing accidental or random. Um, it is a good world that God has made. Now, 150 years ago, two alternative accounts to this Genesis account were published. Um, now, does anyone want to have a guess of what those two, or you know, even just if you can think of one of those alternative accounts, right? So, 150 years ago, publication of two alternative accounts to the Genesis creation story. <clears throat> what have we got? The Origin of the Species is one of them um, by Charles Darwin, the, the Theory of Evolution. Yeah, and the other one? I reckon Darren, Darren's got something ticking around his head. Uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is the uh, Arcadian creation epic. Uh, I was thinking of the, uh, the epic of the Enuma Elish, which is the Babylonian creation epic. Now, I'm going to start there because that's the world into which the book of Genesis was written. So during the 1850s, archaeologists in Iraq were sifting through the remains of an ancient library in Nineveh. Uh, and they unearthed seven tablets of stone which contained the ancient uh, creation myth of the Babylonians called the Enuma Elish. And it's a fascinating read. Um, basically, it describes our world as a byproduct of a war between the gods of Babylon. Right? The gods of Babylon were fickle, self centered, chaotic. Uh, you know, if they woke up with a bad headache, you know, you'd, you'd be in for it uh, if you were, a, you know, citizen of Babylon and so on. Uh, now, that's typical of the creation myths of so many ancient civilizations, like uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh and so on. Our world, according to so many ancient uh, creation myths, our world is an accidental byproduct of the activities of the gods. And the gods can be fickle, often immoral, self-serving, utterly unconcerned about human beings. Uh, we too are just some sort of accidental or, or cruel byproduct of creation. But the, the Bible account is so different, so different. In Genesis, there is just one God, not in a war of gods, but one God who is utterly good utterly in control at every step along the way, nothing accidental in what God creates. This world and everything in it is purposeful and good. Uh, and so as, as, uh, as we kind of came across this Enuma Elish, it just highlighted some of the uniqueness uh, of the creation story uh, and the God who made it all. Now, the other creation account is far more modern. So during the 1850s, uh, I mean far more modern in, in that it doesn't date back thousands of years, but in the 1850s, Charles Darwin put together a thesis called On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or the Preservation of Favoured Races in the Struggle for Life. Uh, 
Now, Darwin, Charles Darwin, was not necessarily setting out to discredit the Bible's account of creation, but ever since the publication of his thesis, it has been used to undermine the story of the Bible account of creation. Uh, And so, so many people, since the publication of Charles Darwin's thesis, so many have have come to embrace a process by which humanity came into being, which has no room for God at all. Uh, And so God is completely shifted out of the picture. For many, there is no God directing the process. And so that means that we humans are merely accidents. Uh, The byproduct, not of the actions of volatile gods, uh, but the actions of chance and chemical reactions and Uh, the survival of the fittest, and so on. Now, this is how the world's leading atheist puts it. Uh, This is uh, uh, Richard Dawkins. In a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. So suck it up, right? This This is life. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. Wow. Nothing but pitiless indifference. See, thinkers like Dawkins recognise that once you remove the creator God out of the picture, there is no there is no longer any reason to believe there is any meaning to our lives. There is no longer any reason to believe there is such a thing as evil or good. We are just the product of pitiless indifference. So do you want to write a song about that? Uh, I can't see many people writing that as a song because who wants to live by that? Uh, even if it was true, it's, it's a depressing outlook on life, isn't it? N- nothing inspiring about that. Um, but the creation story of the Bible, if true, which I am utterly convinced it is, it, bring, it is something to sing about because it brings purpose and meaning to life. Uh, and it means that there is a good God over it all uh, uh, who, who has made us in his image. And, and that's, the, that's the third point, just as we unpack it. So God is the ruler of the world. He made the world. He made us, human beings, to rule his good world, giving thanks and honour to him. And so I'll pick up on the start of where Ruth uh, read, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, where God says, Let's make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they might rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And then he said, rule over all the fish of the sea and so on. Of all the things God made... He made us human beings to have a special relationship with him. We're made in his image. Uh, We've been given the privilege and responsibility to rule this world 
that God made. Yesterday, I conducted a funeral service for um, uh, Greg Mason's dad, uh, Lindsay Mason. Uh, and we just had a small little gathering down at the beach for the scattering of the ashes. Um, but I learned there that it was during World War II that Greg's dad became a Christian uh, and uh, an incredible legacy that he then passed on to his boys uh, and their children and now their children, uh, four generations. Um, but during World War II, um, many of the young people were you know, off at war or uh, you know, tied up and so there was these older people were teaching uh, scripture and uh, teaching Sunday school classes and so on. Um, and during one of these classes, uh, Greg's dad, Lindsay, heard the sto- Jesus talking about a coin, you know, because they came up to Jesus and they said, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Uh, and Jesus said, well, have a look at the coin, whose image is on it? Uh, and they said, well, it's got the image of Caesar on it. And Jesus said, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. Uh, And Lindsay Mason reflected on those words of Jesus and realised that he had been stamped with the image of God, uh, that he was made in God's image and Jesus was calling him to give his life to God, to actually honour God the way God deserved because God had created him. And that was a catalyst for him then turning to Jesus, receiving forgiveness of sins and living a life that then he passed on that faith uh, to his children. Uh, but the, the, the kind of foundation was that he was made in the image of God. Over these past few months, I've been reading a massive big book called Dominion, one of the biggest books I've ever read. Uh, and it's taking a while, so I don't think I churn through this. But basically, it's an overview of history of the last two and a half thousand years. The author is persuaded that so many of the things we love about our society are a product of the revolutionary impact of Christianity on our world. Uh, And I think he's particularly writing because he's aware that more and more in countries like Australia and America and England, they're trying to write Christianity out of the curriculums. And he's just saying, you do that And you actually distort the truth because so much of who we are in our society, so much of what we love is a product of the revolution that Christianity has had over the last couple of thousand years. Um, So let me um, show you a quote. uh, And the quote is this, that human beings have rights, that they are born equal, that they are owed sustenance and shelter and refuge from persecution... These were never self-evident truths. He said, he's noticed that people talk about them as if they're self-evident truths. And he says, no, they're not. They weren't self-evident to the Romans or the Babylonians or the Persians or the Greeks. Um, It's interesting hearing Paul talk about how, how the Christians shone in the ancient world because they would show kindness and compassion, and that they would risk their lives to care for the sick. That was something that was not part of other ancient civilizations. Compassion and human dignity and human rights arose from Christianity 
not from any other ancient civilization. Um, uh, and <clears throat> ultimately, he argues human rights arise from the first page of the Bible, uh, that, that we are made in the image of God. And this is why Christians have always been committed to caring for the poor. You look at so many of the aid agencies throughout the world and they are either, you know, fueled by Christians or they have a Christian heritage that has been kind of morphed um, over time. But our belief that God made every single person on the planet in his image, that belief uh, has driven Christians to actually see people on the other side of the world as our brother and sister, uh, our fellow human being made in the image of God with a dignity, uh, not to be discarded as trash or inferior, uh, but to be loved uh, and cared for. Now these truths, these truths that we've just unpacked, they are the foundation of the Christian gospel. Um, they are not, they don't exhaust the Christian gospel, I would say that they're kind of the the foundation of the Christian gospel. And that's the song that's been on repeat in heaven since the creation of the world. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honour and power, for you created all things. And by your will they are created and they have their being. But here's the thing. That song has now been replaced. Uh, that song has kind of become a little bit obsolete uh, because if you look at Revelation chapter 5, and I'm just going to do this very briefly with you, but if you look at Revelation chapter 5, as soon as John hears that old song that's on repeat again and again, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, uh, then John notices a disturbance in heaven. Uh, and they're looking out for a human being who can carry out God's purposes, who can rightly rule the world, who really will truly represent God's image as he goes about ruling. And John starts to weep because no one can be found amongst all human beings. Look at Revelation chapter 5 verse 4, I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, don't weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. So hope comes because the lion of Judah uh, is about to be unveiled. And John looks around expecting to see a mighty king. And what does he see? A battered and bleeding lamb, a lamb that looks like it has been slaughtered. Um, and of course, we know this is Jesus. Uh, Jesus, the one who laid down his life for us, who poured out his blood for our sin as a sacrificial lamb in our place. Uh, and this is Jesus, the line of Judah, God's ultimate king who will rule all things uh, into eternity. With the arrival of Jesus, heaven starts singing a new song. I just want you to notice how revolutionary that is. Right? The old song was good, 
but now there's a new song that captures the inhabitants of heaven. And the new song is this, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Worthy is the Lamb. And then verse 13, John says, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. Jesus is worthy. He is worthy of all praise and honour. That is the song that is now on repeat in heaven. And that is a song that one day every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every creature will one day sing that song in uncontested praise. And, and what I want to point out is the new song is basically the Christian gospel. It is the message that not only is there a creator God, let me unpack with the pictures here, not only is there a creator God, we sinned against him, we deserved his judgment, but Jesus, our sacrificial lamb, died on the cross in our place. He rose again in victory over death, and so now the good news goes out. Worthy is the lamb. Uh, that one day, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Will you align yourself to King Jesus now, or will you continue to run your own life your own way? Uh, which, is a, which is a path that has no future, uh, only condemnation. So I want to ask you, are you captured by this new song? Those in heaven are captured by it. They sing it again and again. And as I say, they're not singing it again and again because it's such a, a beautiful piece of music. It's the words, the ideas have captured their hearts. Uh, now, what would it look like to be captured by this new song? Well, we would be gripped with an urgency that every single person on the planet needs to know Jesus. Uh, they need to bow the knee before him and receive his love and forgiveness. Uh, just an awareness that that is, that is the only hope our world has. Now, I love that Compassion Australia are on about the good news of Jesus. Yes, we want love and care to go to those with physical needs... And that's at the heart of what compassion do. But I love that even more, they combine that physical care with the spiritual, addressing the spiritual need of sharing the good news of Jesus uh, with those that they're caring for. I love that they're committed to both without compromise and they work with local churches to see that come about. And I, I want to say also, I love the opportunities we get over summer to share this good news with our own community. Um, we live in a community where the needs are not so obvious. You know, you can't put up a picture of our community. and It just doesn't, just doesn't speak of poverty in the same way, does it? If you take a photo of people down Shelley Beach, it just looks like people are having a great time. And yet the people in our suburbs 
are in desperate need. Uh, and we, God's people, need to have spiritual eyesight to see that need. Um, so many in our community have only got John Lennon's song to sing. And at the end of the day, it's just pure imagination. It's, it's, it's actually a song or a world without God, without hope, without meaning, and without reality. It's pure imagination. Because we know into our world came the man Jesus, and by his resurrection from the dead, God has declared that we are now in the last days. So even if you imagine a world without God, one day every single person is going to come and stand before their creator and give an account. Uh, and we have a, so much a better song than John Lennon's song because we have a song not only that speaks of God, our creator, who is good and worthy of praise, but we have a song of his son, the Lord Jesus, who laid down his life for us and then was risen again and now brings forgiveness and hope and healing uh, to every person on the planet. So let's share this new song with everyone who is willing to listen. I'm going to lead us in prayer, but I want to start today by uh, praying the words out loud with you of the old song, and then a little bit later uh, in the prayer, I'll get you reading out with me the words of the new song. Uh, so let's say together out loud uh, the song of Revelation 4. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Oh God, our Father, you are the all-powerful creator and ruler of our world. Thank you that you made everything so good. Thank you that you made us in your image to enjoy a relationship with you. We are sorry that so often we take the good things you have made, but we use them without giving you thanks. Please forgive us through the blood of Jesus who died for us, uh, for our forgiveness and cleansing. And so we, we say the words of the new song. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. Father, we pray that each one of us will be captured by this good news of Jesus and that you will energise us as we share this good news with everyone who is prepared to listen. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.